My name is Rune Ortega, and in this episode, I'm taking a critical look at Gods by Arcane Asylum. Joined with me is my co-host, as always, Cade. Hi, I'm Cade. We are also joined tonight by our friends, Jaden. Hello. And Jody. Hello, my friends. Oh, he went up to me, I love it. Oh, shit. <laughs> Cade, why don't we go ahead and tell us a little bit of Gods before we get right into our review. Sure. So, Gods is a uh, dark fantasy role-playing system made by Arcane Asylum. It was a Kickstarter-based system here uh, when we first played it, uh, and is slotted for release uh, in physical edition in May of 2023. Uh, at this time, we only have the PDFs, which were released to me because I'm a backer. And, uh, yeah. It's a beautiful book with a lot of awesome art, and I love it. And that's the review. Thanks for coming out, everybody. <laughs> well, we also review coffees on the show, so let's not forget about that. And uh, in this batch, we have Grease by Goth Rider. And Cade, I believe we rated that uh, three out of five lost stars. What did we have to say about Goth Rider? We said it was pretty much fine. It was a pretty run-of-the-mill coffee. There's one interesting flavor note in there that I got, which is like a tobacco note, um, which is a complimentary note, but not one you usually get with coffee. It was fine. It, yeah. I wouldn't turn it yeah, down, it was... but I wouldn't like pour it for someone who I'm trying to get into fine coffee. I think that's a, w a great way to uh, describe it. You know, I, I would drink it uh, regularly <laughs> if it was all that was available, but you're right. It's not one that I would hand to somebody to say, this is coffee. This is life. Join the <clears> cult. <throat> But uh, with that, uh, grab a mug, fill it full of hot stuff, and sit back and listen to our critical review of Gods by Arcane Asylum. All right, so guys, we are here to uh, talk about our time with Gods by Arcane Asylum. And um, yeah, we're going to get into uh, an overview of the whole system. And um, I don't think it will be out for full release by the time that we release these episodes. But hopefully it gets people excited enough that they are keeping it on their radars. Uh, start with an overview. So it was, as Cade mentioned off the top, a Kickstarter in 2020 by Arcane Asylum. Um, it was slowed down substantially by the pandemic. Um, it was reported by Arcane Asylum themselves that you know things like uh, printing and being able to just work on it were uh, sidetracked because of that. Uh, but itself, it is self-described um, as being all about high adventure, magic, exploration, unforgettable quests, and mythical battles. It is an epic and captivating dark fantasy game that lets players embody heroes and forge their legend in a dark, epic, brutal, and gigantic world filled with blood, sorcerers, hauling barbarians, legendary heroes, and mythical creatures. And if that all sounds familiar, that's because that's what we also put in our original review of the demo uh, two years ago, and almost to the date. Um, 
which is is crazy but we are reviewing the full system this time uh as such in 2022 the pdf was released <clears throat> and a projected printing release is due for may 2023 the price when Cade paid for it on kickstarter was 74 canadian dollars uh however a real price is tba <clears throat> so with that I think, okay. Do, yeah. you, do you have a, a, a something you'd like to say, sir? Sure. So I would also like to jump in and just say that for that money, I got more than just the system. Being that it was a Kickstarter, uh, there were some extra benefits included. So with that, I get a physical copy of the rules as well as a PDF <coughs> version. I get five custom player handbooks, uh, or sorry, booklets is what they call them, but there is some translation uh, differences back and forth, so I'm not 100% sure what that booklet's going look like i get an art book a novella a couple of short stories huh. based on the lore i get a map pack a set of dice uh a book with four scenarios in it a custom challenge coin that looks like the in-game currency a copy of the quick starter and then an art print so for that amount of money you're getting quite a bit of bang for your buck as far as i'm concerned and i imagine that that price point will drop when it's just the book itself that you're buying yeah, that's Absolutely. not bad, honestly. Yeah, I was pretty pleased with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And even to that point, I'm sure a lot of those things will remain Kickstarter exclusives that you won't be able to purchase after the fact. Yeah, I believe they said that the art book, the, um, the challenge coin and some of the short stories and the novella are going to be remaining as Kickstarter exclusive, but then the dice and the map packs and stuff like that will be available for purchase afterwards. Perfect. Um, well, let's uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of this, um, I just want to say to our listeners at home, you know, we have already reviewed this system as a demo. The what we got into in the second time playing wasn't wildly different from what we got out of the demo, but there is new information to be shared. But if you're expecting us to blow your minds with you know hours of new content, it's it's not going to be there. And so hopefully you uh, listen to our original. We're going to try not to tread over too much ground that we did originally, but we are going to reference some of those things just to see if they still held up in the full release. With that being said, though, uh, guys, what did you think? What were your first <clears throat> initial impressions without a review of Gods? I friggin' loved it. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I, I love the whole vibe of the world they've made. I really like the dice system. Um, it uses a, a D10 system um, and that I really enjoy. I think it's really easy to understand. Um, I love the character creation, even if the booklet isn't necessarily laid out in a way that's super conducive when you're first getting into it. Um, I think the art's fantastic. I, I love this system. I really, really enjoy it, and I, I'm so excited to have a physical copy in my hands so that I can show it to my home players and trick them into playing a game with me. Yeah, I also really quite enjoyed it. I think there was a like a lot of new stuff compared to the demo that we played two years ago, personally. like I don't even remember the gods being an important feature of the demo. That's because the it, gods and the shards weren't yeah, even in it yet. They just yeah, hinted exactly. that it was coming. Like, I, I was really surprised by how much more there was. I was kind of like assuming we were going to be doing something very similar. I, I didn't even realize we were going to be creating characters. I remembered that we played presets before. Mm -hmm. I wish that I had spent more time with creating a character. Um, 
but yeah, I liked it a lot. I I really like the dice for combat. For skills, it's like yeah, like whatever. It, it was functional. I didn't like really do anything super special for me. But for combat, I really liked like being able to set the difficulty level and stuff mm-hmm. against the the game master. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't know if I'm as exactly pumped about it as you two are. I I have no complaints. I thought it was a really good system. I think that especially when you mix in the lore that it, I see a lot of value in it. I, I don't know. Outside of that, I think yeah, it's, like, it's a solid system. I don't think there was anything that I did that I was like, that's exceptionally cool. I guess rolling all those D10s for even just like basically swinging a sword at a dude was pretty cool. I liked some of the mechanics with the combat and stuff. But yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was just a good system. I'll admit that uh, listening back to some of the recording from our play, whenever you hear somebody rolling their dice, it just sounds like there's a cascade. Like there's so <laughs> many D10s. Uh, from my own perspective, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I absolutely thought it was a fun system. I was impressed by how fluid and solid it ran off of a first edition <clears throat> that hasn't even been in print yet. You know, like it, it was incredibly uh, well crafted and seemed solid. Um, I, I do think that, yes, the, the book itself is front-loaded with lore, which can kind of put off some new players, especially to tabletop players. Uh, in fact, it even I wouldn't say it put me off, but it was definitely like when I'm fit, flipping 450 pages to get to the character creation. It was only 300. Was, okay, <laughs> sorry. sorry, 300. It was only it a novel. Like, <laughs> it is just weird that they would put that first like not put the rules first and that at the end but i i really do like that it's all there in the book and we'll get into it because i think that there is some uh there's some rhyme and reason there for that um but it was a it was a different take and so um i would be interested to play this in a long-term campaign i I would in fact i think i would love it but I would not choose new players to do that. So with that being said, let's get into uh, what we would call the nitty gritty. And so uh, when we did our original review in our unique features checking, uh, we looked at um, things like the shared dice pool, multiple game modes, which maybe Cade can enlighten us on that because we didn't quite see it. Uh, We also talked about how the shard system works, as well as the fact that, curiously, you can only play as humans, which is not uh, in all fantasy RPGs. So where do you guys want to start? Uh, I could speak to the difficulty modes right off the top. Uh, That's something that the DM sets. So in addition to setting what the difficulty is for each role, you can set a difficulty for the campaign itself. Um, They're based on your contact level with your gods. So I could have set the whole, like everything, as a much higher difficulty for you guys, in which case enemies would have had different abilities than they would have normally had. Their check levels would have been higher. Um, The thresholds to give them wounds would have been higher. And the difficulty of just like all roles in general. So I could have made it a very punishing world for you guys. However, I didn't feel like that would be very fun or conducive to a kind of run of the mill review for us. Um, but that's where that lies in. So in addition to setting like your DC, you can set the entire world as being already more difficult and stacked against the players. You know, I think that's interesting. Um, It sounds like basically they're trying to create like a CR system, you know, Um, but with the fact that like you're almost 
you're signing up for it right at the beginning versus I think a lot of times uh, with CR, you figure out what the group is capable of and then you start throwing numbers at them. Yeah, I think it's, I don't know, because the CR system in, again, we're talking about CR in Dungeons and Dragons, is set to the creatures. Um, this is set to, like, you have the same world. You can play the same adventure, like, exactly the same, but have totally different encounters because now maybe these bandits that you run into have shards of their own um, or things like that. So it, it makes for some replayability for the same campaigns, whereas... You know, if my players at home decided to play Curse of Strahd again, they would already kind of know the lay of the land, where they're going, what they're going to run into in every, you know, major area. The little nitty-gritty might be a little different, but this makes each encounter completely different, in my opinion. You know, it's funny, and this is a little bit about the world building, but in our original review, we talked about how part of the god system is that they're giving you a self-contained story where it has its lore built in so you don't have to worry about creating it everything's filled out and detailed and and, and other systems like D kind of do this to an extent you know you have your like you said your Ravenloft with your um oh whose guide is it uh, uh van, van richten's Richten. guide right like so and they give you details about the world but i don't feel like they're still as just like this is every detail you need and here's the story and all so uh, it is interesting for me to say or to see that there's replayability to it you know because like the benefit of other systems not giving you every other detail is that you can fill it in however you want whereas where this is a little bit more you know a little bit more linear should we say um with the different difficulties you at least have different ways that you can play it yeah and i'd say that it's linear with the the scenarios they already give you whereas the world itself is just like here's what's going on in this part of the world here's kind of the main players and everything but you can make your own story within that um one thing that i would say about it making it very tied to the world that they have created is something that we talked about uh, quite a bit when we were playing is that your class is based on the uh the like culture within the world that your person is attached to which is part of why i think they front load all that lore because yeah. you need to know kind of the different people in the world to then pick your class it's not i am a barbarian it's i'm part of the horde and everything that comes along with that mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's get back on track, though, uh, with the unique uh, features. And you mentioned classes and it being related to your uh, culture. How did you guys feel about the fact that you can only play humans, which is not, you know, there, it's not like this is the only system that does it. But when we're talking about, you know, dark fantasy, um, a lot of times there are different classes or sorry, different um, uh, species that you can play as. That didn't bug me like at all. I'm cool with it. Like I, I don't, I only really feel like at the end of the day, like they, I guess they all come with their own specific lores and stuff like that. When you have different races and stuff like that, but it's still just like it's like your skin in a game. Like it's it's extra to your character, which you can use a lot of, but you can still enjoy the game without having like you know a, a pointy ear skin that comes with a couple extra thousand years of life or something like that, right? Like I like I see the value in all those things. It gives you more options, but. I don't know. I didn't. I was cool with it. I don't have any beef with them being like, "Oh, I don't get to be a fantasy creature." Like, I think it's cool. Yeah, I'm pretty neutral on it too. It, it kind of seemed like it wasn't really like a big thing within the universe either, from what I remember of our session. It's like a human-dominated world when it came to humanoids. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I it's think just it's their just... aesthetic. I get it. 
Yeah, it gives it a level of grounding, right? Especially when you're doing, like, what type of wounds. I, I know if I stab a human, that's not great. If I stab a lizard person, I don't know, do they just regrow yeah. that part? Like, I, <laughs> it just keeps it kind of grounded on, you know, in that regard. I feel like they mm -hmm. more than make up for it with the depth and detail of the different cultures of humans that your character can come from. Because mm -hmm. they're yeah. like, they really went ham. They swung for the fences when it came <laughs> to like creating different and pretty detailed cultures within their world. Yeah. And that, that's a lot more detail than you would get. Like actually for, from a character creation side of building a character, that's another like benefit of their really heavy lore writing is that when you're picking your race, you're just like, again, like what do I want my character to look like? And yeah, that'll probably have some sort of impact in the story. Maybe I'll run into some other people that look like me. Maybe I'll have some advantage or disadvantage because of that. Maybe I pick a race that is playing a key part in the story, but maybe you don't. But when you're picking like these people, it's like, oh, like you're more picking story choices. And then there is some supporting like class stuff even though i didn't feel like those were like super locked you in beyond like the specialization specialization you'd want right some are better fighters some are better more mystical some are better more survivalist or you know those kind of things like all the different things that you'd want to spec into as a character anyways so the, having that extra lore actually gives you like some character building to work off of really quickly without having to come up with a bunch of your own stuff if you want to dive into the character like story or the story of your character Another unique feature that I think we need to spend some time with is the shard system. Now, we uh, the first time that we played, uh, we encountered a shard at the very end. Yeah. And this time, we each started with our own shard that we got to create. And, you know, Cade, you can fill us in on more of what it was because you ran the DM side of it. Um, but Or the Oracle, I should say, the Oracle side of it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, to my, my understanding from having played, it's basically the artifact that gives you the link to your god. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's something that has been touched by the god that you have created um, that kind of is the conduit through which you get your powers. If you're separated from your shard, you lose the abilities that you would normally get in association with your god, and because it's connected in that personal way, someone else can't pick up your shard and instantly have all of your powers. It is very much attuned to you. Um, and there's even a system, we didn't get to see it in our playthrough, but there's even a system for like the first time the shard communicates between you and your god and something happens and you roll on a table and find out what happens with that which i thought was super cool you guys had already started with it so we didn't get to see that but although if they go back and listen to our demo play they will encounter that at the very end of play yep absolutely um yeah you know i thought the shard system was cool i i really like the idea that it almost was like your superpower, you know, like it was how you got your really awesome abilities. Um, I think it's interesting that those abilities can be taken away from you if you lose contact with your yes. shard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's feats tied to a physical object, yeah. right? Like it's that's, yeah. That's something I really liked about both the shards and like the um, like classes being tied to your background was that it, like, those things were both, like, like min-maxable stats and role-play choices. Like, it was mixed together, you know? Like, I, 
at first I was like, okay, creating a god, like, what's this gonna be? Just, like, some RP fluff? And then it's like, oh, wait, this gets you, like, special abilities, and you have, like, points you can spend, and you can do crazy divine magic, and... Yeah. No, this is actually really quite cool. It's, it's like, everything, even in, like, the kind of roleplay, like, stats or whatever, they were, like, buttons you could press to do things as well. Mm -hmm. I really like the gods, too, and how you, like, generate your essences, because that was random, right? Like, you had to roll for it, so it kind of takes away some of the min-maxing at, like, that end, but then within that, you get to pick what traits are available within there. Yeah. So you, it kind of balances it. It's there if you want to, but it also forces you to not necessarily play the same (laughs) character every single time. And it also, like, if you want to keep improving those things, you kind of have to, like, commit to your your character choices. You know, like, mm-hmm. you have to do your rituals. You have to, like, go for your, what were they called? Uh, I can't remember what they were, but the goals of the god your, and stuff like that. Is it boons tenets. and banes? Oh, the tenants oh. and Yeah. Those existed as and, well. And, like, you, you, you kind there. of had to play around <laughs> your morality choices in order to, like, keep increasing the power of it, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is actually a great time to transition into full-on uh, character creation dis- discussion um, because it is so intrinsically tied uh, to your gods and to your shards. So uh, how did we feel about character creation? Jaden, why don't you start us off? Um, I would say like it was like from like an actual like mechanical processing through it and understanding it, I would say it was okay. Like It wasn't the easiest character I've ever put together, but it definitely wasn't the hardest. It was just, you know, pretty normal. Like, you, you, if you read what to do, you'll work your way through it. It's probably a little more reading than I like to do with some of it. Like, it's definitely not our slickest character creation, but it, it was really interesting. It has, I think, notably good options. Again, like, some people might be like, oh, it's just humans. But the options that you're picking feel substantial enough to be like, yeah, like, I'm still making, a, like, a special character. I might not have, again, the flair of other things, but I have my own different type of flair that usually I think is more mechanically impactful with some cool story that you can use for your character, like background and stuff. I found that to your, to your point, Jaden, that like wasn't the easiest we've ever done requires a lot of reading. There's a lot of flipping between sections, but like it's not confusing flipping. Like it's go to this one and then go there, go back to that one, go there. Right. Like you always Mm -hmm. refer back to your main guide page to then go to your next section. Um, which is great. Like when they try to go sequentially and it just ends up being back and forth all over the place. Like I don't like that. Um, but I will say that there was a lot of little pieces that added up to your full character. Um, and one of the difficulties of min maxing a character is that, uh, some of those choices are so damn enticing that you're like, Ooh, that sounds great, (laughs) but it doesn't actually fit in with the character you're trying to build. So you got to be really careful when you're selecting them that either you're not doing too much crossover or you're actually selecting ones that benefit your character because it does have Mm -hmm. a lot of cool mechanics. Yeah. Really? My only issue with it was the organization of like some of the pages in the book and the flipping back and forth and the, like, I think one of the things, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but where they, they didn't list the damage for the weapons on the page with the weapons in the equipment section. Uh, they had weapons yeah. and then equipment and then an, were in two yeah, separate like chapters. different things. Yeah. That's like, there's little things like that that kind of got to me. But other than that, like, I really liked the process of creating a character other than some of the organization, which it's like, fine, whatever. 
And I mm -hmm. felt really satisfied with all of my choices. I felt like I used everything that I put on. There wasn't like that one spell or something that it sounded cool, but I never got a use out of it. it was, I, mm -hmm. I liked it. I had a couple that I didn't get to use, but like thinking back to the gameplay, it's like I missed my opportunity and then yeah. I didn't get to use it, you know, mm -hmm. but there was opportunity for me to use it. So like, that's kind of on me. So yeah, for our scale of character creation, from any to GURPS, where are we putting oh. it? <laughs> <laughs> this for me, this would be a little bit more of a, a technical one. Um, it's definitely yeah. not an any by any stretch. Um, no. I wouldn't say it's as complicated as GURPS, just because that's such a big system. If you were using just GURPS. a single GURPS <laughs> supplement, it would actually be harder than GURPS. But if you're you looking <laughs> at the full GURPS compendium, <laughs> it's it's much easier. It felt kind of similar to DCC for me. Where it was like a little bit more, uh, I don't know, mechanical than creating like a D&D &D character, for example. But it wasn't mm. overly complex either. Yeah. I also think that this is one that if you're just sitting down figuring out for yourself the very first time you've ever opened the book, yeah. it's pretty complicated. I, as someone who had read 90% of the book and then led my wife through it as just like a, here, let's see what character creation looks like. That went super smooth. Like, we didn't have any of the issues that you guys had figuring out on your own. So I think this is yeah. one where if you have a DM that has sit down to like, I'm going to learn this system, guiding it through people, it's not as complicated. And I think that's something that, if you're interested in this system, bear that in mind. That, like, it's not going to be a slog every single time you make a character. Yeah, I, I totally agree. In our situation where we were sitting at our own computers individually mm -hmm. with the PDF creating it. I definitely agree. If we'd all been sitting at a table and you were like running us through it, we could have banged it out in like 20 minutes and yeah. done. And to that point, like I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think because in your scenario, Cade, you have a DM who has already weeded through mm -hmm. the extra content and it's just like, no, do this like very poignantly. This is what mm -hmm. you need to do. Whereas when we're reading ourselves, we're reading, okay, uh, this is your next step. This is what it will do. Flip to the next step. Hey, here's a preamble about what this section is for and why you should be mm -hmm. doing it. Now, after you've read all that, now choose your thing. And by the time you get there, you're like, what am I doing again? Yeah. It also didn't help that we're using a PDF. And once again, one of our gripes that we've had with PDFs of systems, yeah. it didn't have bookmarks like embedded yeah. in the PDF. Now, again, this is, like we've said, it's a first edition. They might do that in the future. They might not. But for right now, that is a gripe with the PDF version. There's not built-in bookmarks. And if you're going to do a PDF version, put in bookmarks, damn it. <laughs> it definitely made Same me with? want uh, a printed copy when I was doing my character yeah. creation. Same with the character sheet. I feel like if it's only... If the, th if the system's only available in a PDF right now... Like, ship it with an interactive character sheet. Like, yeah. the bubbles are there. It feels like it should be just yeah. ready to go. Or very That's least, have the character sheet be a separate PDF. Because I had to separate it for yeah. you guys. Because it was just one gigantic 600-page document. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, yeah. let's uh, let's talk about the, the entire um, skill system as a whole. Um, so aside from creating characters, what did it feel like and, and and what was it like in general just to play the game or run the game in Cade's perspective? 
I'll let you guys go first. I feel like mm. I'm talking a lot on this system and showing I'll, how much I love it. So I liked how uh, expert you could feel in your skills of choice mm. pretty quickly. Um, and I liked the, like, um, just some of the modifiers of, like, how the age and stuff could dictate the skills that you had. Um, I, I, at first I thought that just rolling, like, one dice the whole time would get a little boring, but once we kind of got the feel for how interactive we could be with it and how, I don't know, you could change things on the fly and, like, the picking of the mod or the difficulty level in combat and stuff worked... It just it was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they call the when you when you get extra dice or when you remove dice, they call them the the bonus and malice system. Yeah. Um, and it really felt like when you got bonus dice, you were like, yeah, look at all these click clacks. <laughs> and then when you had a malice, you're like, oh fuck me. <laughs> I do I've, like how you can. It's not just like perception is wisdom. Right, you yeah. have like your skills, oh, yeah. and then you also have like your main stats, and you can combine them in any way that you want. Yeah. It makes everything gotta, really customizable, which is cool. Yeah, I we got to talk about that. I, I kind of temporarily forgotten about that. I love <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. I think it is so cool, and it creates so many different combinations of two skills that you have to roll, so that like, like when there's just using one skill for a whole bunch of things, you can really like start to just pump points into that one thing and use it for everything and like brute force your way through it. But then by combining two, it can fit the situation better. Like you're using your, your wisdom to pry this rock out of the thing using physics, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's like a, you could do weird combinations like that, like intelligent strength check. It's like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Even when you guys had the uh, the guy who had been stabbed and was or was poisoned, and you guys were trying to figure out, okay, is there a healer nearby, and will he survive to get there? Are two different roles that both yeah. use knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. They use the same stat, but then they used I think it was cities and healing. Yeah, I was really a big fan of this too, and I think because with any like skill based system like. You know, Cthulhu, for instance. You always get the player who's like, well, what do you mean I have a high dex, but I can't jump? Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't yeah. make sense. You know, they can't I just have natural athleticism? And then you start reducing that list so it's like D&D. And it's like, this makes it so that everybody has a chance to do that yeah. thing mm-hmm. because they have characteristics. Plus, then they have their skills on top of it. So it's like, okay, maybe I don't have a jump or whatever the equivalent would be. Mm-hmm. But I do. In my stat up here, I have good dexterity. So I get a roll because I'm just naturally athletic. Like, I think it, it answers that problem that does come up a lot in a skill-based system. Mm-hmm. And maybe even let's like similar or like different people solve the same problem in like similar but different ways, right? Like if I got to jump across a chasm and then like catch onto a wall or something, maybe there's a way like I'm going to throw a grappling hook and try and hook it while I'm jumping or something. So now I'm using more of like my, you know, like hand eye stuff and that versus where someone's like, I'm just going to jump on the wall and just like bear hug it so I can't fall (laughs) off. Like that's a totally different way of solving it. And so like. You can be like, yeah, you're both going to use some similar things that you're going to have to use because you got to run and make that jump. But then your other solution to the second half of the problem or another twist in the problem, I can, you know, modify too, right? I think it's makes it feel like you got more option uh, to solve problems. Like, whereas like, oh, normally I can't touch that at all. It's like, maybe I can almost touch it if I just spin it in the right way. 
Well, yeah. I felt as the Oracle that it made those skill checks more of a discussion between me and the character. Right? Like, yeah. okay, what are you trying to do? Okay, here's what I think it's rolling. Oh, no, you think it should be this? No, okay, I can see that. Right? Whereas, like, is it athletics? Are you trying to be strong? It's athletics. Right? It, mm-hmm. it, it made it more open going back and forth so you guys could play to your strengths and I just had to narrate it, right? As opposed to, like, here's what you need to be able to do. If you can't do it, figure it out. Uh, no, Kate, something that um, I remember it being in the original demo, but um, I don't know if it was in this because I'll, I'll be honest. This is the system that I didn't I didn't read everything in it. Usually I read all of it. Because <laughs> you'd still it, be it was reading a big, it. It's a big book, exactly. <laughs> I'd still be reading. Um, but in the original demo, it talked about a voting phase, and I remember this, and it was basically like if the party had uh, a decision to make, we actually had to sit there and like vote on it. Now I know we kind of just we naturally came to decisions mm-hmm. and we do that ourselves, but it was never anything that you truly encouraged. Uh, or were you? Were you manipulating us in the background? Oh yeah, social manipulation all the way. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, it's in like one little paragraph for like, hey, if your players can't come to a decision, have a vote. Majority rules. Yeah. You're a team after all. It's not. It's less of a full on mechanic and more just like, hey. Here's just good etiquette at your table. So I wonder if that's something that maybe they toned back after some mm-hmm. feedback. I think just so. like I could see that being like it slows the game down. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I really also enjoyed when you were doing your skill rolls is not only were you getting more dice as your character gained more experience, you also got reroll pips, which were great. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also got your nerves and your grits pool. Yeah. Um, and, and now nerves were a reroll and grits were an extra die, or is it was it the opposite? Uh, I believe it was the other way around. I believe it was grits <laughs> is a reroll because you're like muscling down and like, no, I'm getting through this. Whereas nerves is like you're steady minded. I either way, you know, I actually I really did enjoy that mechanic because um, it, it was again that risk reward, and it feels mm. like God has so much of that term in their risk reward, um, which yeah. I really enjoy. Dark Souls Bloodborne player, you know, I love that kind of idea of you know what if I if I need that little boost because I think it's going to be worthwhile, I'm going to take it out of my pools, um, but I might be screwing myself over later. Yeah, and yeah. go ahead, Jody. I was going to change topics. So, oh yeah, no, I, th- I thought the pools were cool. I feel like I underutilized them just because it's just, it's just like that that gaming thing where it's like I might need that potion for the boss after this boss. That like <laughs> I'm, I'm bad at spending our points even in like short sessions like this. But it's a really cool mechanic, and I also really like the divini- divinity humanity mm-hmm. like yes. pools too. I thought that was really cool, and I'd like. In a long-term game, it would be so, like, you could spend, like, ten minutes talking as a group, like, ah, like, dude, should we spend, like, our second last humanity point right now to get (laughs) this problem solved? Or, like, are we going to need it next week? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say that, like, from a GM side, um, that with NPCs and things like that, they the way they lay out their stat blocks make it really easy for me to do skill checks for them. It's literally, like, I don't have to do the adding together of, like, here's their characteristic and here's their skill. It's just, here's what you roll. If it's a physical thing, you do this. You just roll this. That's it. Done. Um, and it just made it really quick and simple for me when I'm trying to run a bunch of different mechanics all at once. I don't have to try to like add together like, okay, well, if it's this plus, I don't know, but they have a saving throw. And then like it's just, I just roll the damn dice. Done. 
good to go. Same thing with like their their weapons and everything. It's just super clean, I guess is the word I would use um, when you're looking at how they lay out their monsters <coughs> and NPCs. They also give you a ton of them, which is nice coming from Power Rangers. Yep. <laughs> As somebody who is invested in everything that that system has to offer, yes. Um, tenets and faults were another thing that I thought was really interesting. Um, the idea that, you know, I have these, it, it was almost like alignment in a sense. These are the mm-hmm. things that my character will do as a tenant. These are the things he will not do as a fault. I also enjoyed that it, you know, um, it puts some, uh, I guess, some power into the GM's hand to say, hey, like your character's not acting towards the way that they have decided their character will act. So what are you going to do? Or, hey, they've they've been acting like they should. They've been role-playing really well. Reward them. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes the, the bonds, flaws, and ideals system from D&D and gives it some teeth. Right, it gives consequences to not following those and rewards to following them. Whereas yeah. those things kind of get forgotten a lot of the time in D anD. d They're just there for flavor. Whereas gods is like, nah, you picked them, you're following them, which is cool. Mm. I'm pretty I, sure I filled out my those things in D anD. d exactly one time. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, the consequences help, but I think it also like fits into the game, right? They're like, I feel like it's a very or like at least they're going for like a very serious like regimented world in a sense where it's like yeah of course like you believe in these gods and you're gonna live in this way which even is more traditionally how like i guess a lot of people in the world that they maybe are somewhat representing you know in the darker ages of humanity there was a lot of potentially living like that in the world where you really followed through with the stuff you believed you know one way or the other kind of thing whereas nowadays who really follows too aggressively their like you know hard like most people don't have hard line morals that they live their entire life by we understand that there's more nuance to problems and that not everything needs to have the exact same solution or i don't need to look at something and be like no i I, it's similar to this so it must be bad or it's similar to this so it must be good it's like well each thing can be its own thing and i think that DD is pushing more and more to that kind of thing where it's like yeah you know you do have these flaws ideals and bonds but also you're a fantasy hero who kind of wants to you know be presented in a certain way and you're maybe not going to have to hold yourself too accountable to those things if you want to do something that either fits your character or just even seems fun whereas this is like you're sitting down to take this hopefully a little seriously because it's if you don't this world will probably seem silly almost if you're yeah. gonna try and like just turn it into one big joke yeah. so whereas D can be that and still be fun whereas this you got to have some sort of care for what you're playing in and then i think it helps line that up with like that through more mechanical stuff right i don't know what you're talking about that our world has has grown i'm pretty sure you slighted my <laughs> family name of ortega and now we must duel to the death <laughs> those ideals those are my tenets. well i will await you uh, i will await you here for you to come and slap me with like a silk glove or whatever and then we'll we'll get things started i'm gonna buy some silk gloves first and then we'll uh, <laughs> you know, might take me a while to buy it's, amazon uh, before be payday right oh oh there you go yep and cheaper too <laughs> all right guys well with that uh i'm out of coffee so let's take a refill hey table hub players it's ruin here we're just taking a quick coffee refill, and as we do that, we wanted to talk to you about some of the exciting possibilities that we have here in the Natural 20 Cafe. Join with me to do that is my co-host, Cade. Hey. 
I'm still Cade uh, from the beginning and now. Uh, we have some really awesome things that we would love for you to be aware of. First of all, we have our Patreon. If you like the show and would like to support us more while getting some extra goodies along the way, please consider checking us out on Patreon at Cantrips and Coffee. Uh, for a couple of bucks, you can support us while also getting some amazing bonuses like our exclusive Discord, some extra special side podcasts that aren't released anywhere else, as well as uncut episodes of this show you're listening to right now. We're even funnier if you don't filter us you can also join us on all forms of social media we are most active on instagram and tiktok and uh yeah we like to think we're funny and post funny things there and so uh join in on the conversation and who knows maybe look forward to a contest or something that we throw at you once in a while but uh with that i think those beans are being done brewing and we're gonna get back into the episode and we're back and highly caffeinated. All right, guys. Well, what about encounters? Now, I, I thought this was a really interesting scenario because we really only had like one. Uh, we had one big fight uh, near the end. And then we had uh, that smaller one, right? Uh, you had the fight against the bandits in the very first episode. You had the fight against the giant vultures. You had the fight oh, against shoot. the uh, the ghost lady. Uh, yeah, and you was- had the fight against the guardian. Yeah, there's combat in every session. Holy yeah, shit. I okay, I just there was I completely not blanked like out heavy on combat, but there was no. some. Oh, and the one. fight at the uh the Yeah, I was going to say you, yeah. you missed yeah. one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where we so that's like what that six combats over four sessions? Yeah. yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Okay, well, I I take that <laughs> back. There was a ton of combat. I wasn't going to say anything bad about it, um, but uh, I was just going to say, you know, we didn't experience a lot, but here's how it was. But no, we experienced a lot of it, so I might need you guys to remind me, how was combat? I'm curious I mean, that's what I built my character. guys' side, uh, because on my side, I have my own things, so yeah. Mm. I mean, I built my character to just swing their sword, so I enjoyed the combat. I'm happy with as much combat as there was, because if it was more like actually having to solve problems with my other capabilities, I had none. I have barely any of the other ones. I was there to cut things into pieces, and that was it. So from the combat standpoint, it was it was good. I enjoyed it. I felt like it... I like the level of like complexity within the combat. There's like enough options. You can do some interesting things with the block and parry system and you got your various other little options for certain things, but it wasn't like overly deep. I say it was like deeper than just swinging your sword and D and D is most of the time, but it's not like, Oh my God, this is so complex. There's like, there's like five or six things you can do within swinging your sword and dodging other people's things. That makes it feel like you're doing a little bit of a dance in combat, but not enough to be like, Oh God, now I like not GURPS level of combat options. Sometimes with combat in especially D&D 5e, I feel like I get, um, it, it can drag on so long. Like each turn can take so long that by the time it comes around, I'm like, what was that again? But with this, uh, you're right. There's only a handful of options you can do. They all feel effective. And so it was, for me, it was very easy to keep track of like, okay, he's taken care of. He's here. I'm here. This is my plan and, and, and do it. I'd say part of that is because all three of us basically just played like, you know (laughs) but like even within that i thought it was kind of interesting how different in some ways all of our like uh combat abilities were like yes we were still just doing damage with weapons at the end of the day but the counterattack system and the way shields work i thought was very cool Mm-hmm. It it, mm-hmm. it makes uh, it, it portrays the shield like correctly as sort of it's like an offensive defense tool. It's like mm-hmm. not necessarily something you just hide behind, 
it like assisted so much in counterattacking that I never wanted to dodge because I always just thought I could get extra hits off. I thought it was cool that the counterattack system lets you do something on the enemy's turn. Like, mm-hmm. the, even dodging, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, you have something, you have a roll when you're getting hit. You don't just sit there and kind of, oh, it. well, they, yeah. they rolled a 20. Uh, that sucks, I guess. Uh, <laughs> your day's but even, ruined. Even with that, there's this really cool crossover between the character build that you're making the type of character and like the the combat system because yeah like my character uh if he was holding a human body as a shield he got bonuses right. if he was using his specific club he got a bonus to swing with it um and deal damage like and so for me it was like my whole character felt unique yeah. in combat because you guys didn't have those things right like mm-hmm. and even Jaden's character i thought like the glass cannon kind of like almost mm-hmm. willing to to like sacrifice getting hit to do more damage i thought that was pretty cool too yeah yeah i feel like yeah even though because there isn't like a lot of magic there's your own individual like shard abilities and stuff that yeah. give you some more of like the magical sense and stuff like that like there's as much complexity in this combat system as any combat system that has both sword fighting and magic like there's there's enough to make yourself your character still stand out and be doing your own things and there's still archery the things that we didn't touch none of us built even remotely range characters mm-hmm. i'm assuming there is some more stuff to gear towards like a more stealthy assassiny vibe but which again none of us really touched on so like there's still a lot of depth within the combat and just to quickly tie back to one thing ruin said that it's pretty snappy combat not only because of the options that you have in your attacks and defense and other options like that that are fairly you know like you know what you're going to do and so you're going to keep going it's few hits on both sides it's not trying to chip down a hundred you know or like a 300 hp pool doing maximum 25 a hit like you know that's going to be like okay 20 30 hits later this guy's finally down depending on how many times we can hit him in a turn or whatever right whereas this game it's like yeah like three or four hits on either side three or four good hits and you're dead or they're dead yeah, yeah, the wound system is a very cool way to do HP without having mm-hmm. HP. Mm-hmm. And, like, I really liked how how quickly we went from being, like, overconfident to, like, timid when we, like, got <laughs> our first serious wounds, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like, yep. oh, okay, back up. Uh, I got a minus three <laughs> on everything. I'm, I got to take cover. I, I will say we mentioned it earlier about the idea of you set your combat rating, um, which... For our listeners at home, yes, in our first episode, we, we did run that wrong, and we caught ourselves, and we fixed it in the second. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting in the idea that like you rolled your dice, and you looked for your successes of five, sevens, and nines. And you know, let's say that I rolled um, you know, three fives, two sevens. I could set it at five, of a difficulty of five with five dice. They had to get at least five on five dice, or I could do they had to get seven on two dice and or more, and that's what we could do. Um, I thought that was a really interesting mechanic. It was the only time, though, that I felt like it slowed down um, combat, but not even a crazy amount. But it slowed it down just enough so that you had to be like, okay, what's the risk-reward here? Like, what am I going to set it at to make sure I win? I liked the gamble. Uh, sometimes I felt really conflicted and just had to spit out a number yeah mm. 
That was easy for me. Every time I looked for whatever my lowest roll was and I went with that because I'm like, I'm rolling like seven, eight dice, baby. I'm going to see if they can beat me. Like, you try and beat six threes. If you can, then I deserve it, right? Like, that was yeah. ca- I, that was part of my build, right? Was like how Jody kind of said, glass cannon, risk reward of you're either, I'm going to obliterate you or I'm going to get hit every time. So I'm going to try and chop you off at the knees as fast as possible. <laughs> Yeah, from my side of things, I really appreciate that they streamlined movement. I, it, it's not like, am I 5 feet away? Am I 10 feet away? It's just, am I in melee range? Am I in ranged attack range? Am I too far yeah. away? It's just done, mm-hmm. and I love that. I know that's a more old-school way of doing it, but I think it really worked well here. The other thing that I'll say is that, and I don't know if this is true in all the systems, we did use a pre-written system that comes in the Oracle's book, Um that was a super well balanced for encounter system or scenario they put together. I didn't have to fudge a single roll just to like, oh shit, I can't have this encounter only be two minutes, or oh shit, I'm gonna crush them. Like it, yeah. it felt appropriately challenging, and I didn't have to fake anything. Like it's as a GM, it was really well balanced. I thought one. I think I pointed this out when we were playing, but during that vulture encounter, when we all realized that we didn't have, (laughs) I feel like you went a little bit easy on us, but I appreciate it. Only easy and like, okay, well, this one's not going to attack you. It's just going to fly away because it's just annoyed with you. But like the actual attack rolls, everything was just straight up. Mm -hmm. Like could have had my camera on my dice and it would have been fine. And see, that's why I built a character with three swords so that they can throw two of them almost like spears if need be. Didn't you understand that? It's like that didn't come Kenneth across? Branna, Kenneth Branna Hamlet, where he yeah. throws the rapier off a of balcony. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a real nerdy nerdy reference there. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, no, this Watch Able Top Games podcast. <laughs> yeah we've said some pretty nerdy things we're, we're breaking down things that in all honesty don't need broken down but we enjoy it so i don't know what you're hoping for here could you imagine if our, our reviews were just like play it or <laughs> yeah we put on a five 30 second seconds bite yeah oh yeah 30 seconds because it's 25 seconds worth of introduction yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Let's let's move on into world building. We we talked about a lot of this already because it's so intrinsically related yeah. to everything, and including. What did we say? 300 some pages before you get to yeah. character creation, and it's all world building lore. And I will admit, I think it's brilliant. I think it's, it's so fascinating. fascinating. <laughs> and this is going to be related to my. Um, it's actually going to be related to my uh, espresso as well. Um, you just read the book. Like, was. Well, <laughs> that's what we did in our first espresso. Yeah, it is what we, we did in the first episode. Even more. that was yeah. too big for us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh, it, to me, it had this really like Middle Eastern uh, kind of like lore and uh, religion slash mythos to it you know like especially with the the main uh, city of Babel where it was um, in the desert and the the shining white palaces and stuff like that mm. so what did you guys think about the world building see and like I thought that it balanced like Middle Eastern culture but also with like Viking like oh yeah feel right like it had the mm-hmm. like the Norse style rituals and like um, the horde were are very Viking feeling um, I thought it was really cool of like pulling from different like inspirations oh, like that 
see when I read the Horde, I was totally like in my head canon. I was thinking like Conan the Barbarian Marauders, like that's what uh, I thought. Fair about. enough. Fair enough. I was kind of getting like Mongolian vibes from the Horde personally, <laughs> like horsemen. There had some archery in the background and stuff. Like I'm like, this totally is like some Genghis Khan yeah. stuff. So who knows? I think they got a lot of like fairly real world inspiration, and it doesn't really hit one culture too heavy which is probably for the best in a certain way because they're just like getting like the not even like the cole's notes of each culture like here's like the general aesthetic feel of these cultures and then we'll like write our own stuff so we're not like stepping on anyone's toes we're just taking like some real loose archetypes and then like expounding upon those within our own concepts to a certain point right i would say at least not that i read that much of the lore but (laughs) (laughs) you didn't read 300 pages no, I, I did not read many of the pages. You guys know me and things like that. That's not where my speed's at. And I did like with the amount that I read, I thought it was really cool. It got me into the vibe of the place and like how I needed to think about the world. But I also didn't feel like I was missing out hugely when we were playing that I hadn't read the background of like my whole tribe. I can't even tell you what my tribe was or my group of people was for my background. I, I just picked ones that worked with my what I wanted for a concept of a character that fit in with the lore and gave me some of the stats I wanted. And I was like, cool. And then I got a good idea. But then outside of that, I was like, yeah, like I, I know the idea of what I need is going on here. And it was cool just to even see the story unfold with the amount like of lore that was just in the, you know, uh, sessions that we played. My only critique of the world building is that because it's so intrinsically baked into the system, you really couldn't take the system and play it separate from this world, right? You would have to homebrew brand new classes from top mm-hmm. to bottom. I think, right? Like you could, you could do it in a sense of like uh, you were like the on the first fleet of ships that sailed to the next continent or something. So you would have created your backstory on the God's world Mm. and then transfer it to another. But like that, like yeah, I agree. It'd be tough, but but even creating a a new class, which in this case is your culture, you're creating a whole culture, you know, which Which is like, it's nice that you could mimic the style Mm -hmm. of the other ones to be like, okay, so this is the types of information they give me. Mm -hmm. So I have to think about these types of information. It would be super. if, Go ahead. I was going to just say, think about if this had been out as long as D&D had, and people have been making new cultures and continents yeah. this entire time. Like, just think about just all of that. Sid yeah. Meier's civilization gods. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I was just going <laughs> to say, think about how cool it would be if you were just like, okay, I have a table of super creative people. Here's yeah. a continent. Fill it with your cultures and homebrew your class. You get two mm-hmm. specializations, two of this, one of this. Go to town and let's make a world together. That would be so much fun. Would be so much fun. Oh yeah. man, I want to do this for our summer content. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I, I unironically do. Oh man, it'd be so summer. cool. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah no, I would I would definitely play uh, a God's campaign. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's you know I think it's great that the that it adds so much. Interestingly enough, Kate, and I need you to confirm this, in the demo, they said that they intentionally did not provide a map because they did not want to limit the world of gods. Was there a map in the full production? Uh, There is a loose map where it's just like, this area is like southish of this area. It's not like, and here's a river, and here's mountains. It's very loose Um, and Mm -hmm. undefined for sure. 
And then you have the whole wild lands, which is which is nothing. There's nothing yeah. in there. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's unexplored. It's vast. It's a mystery. Yeah. Which is where you yeah. can put whatever you want as a GM. If I want to put oh, a temple for you guys to go through power to you, at lower wise it fits. Right. And if one of your players says, yeah, but where in the wild lands? You tell them to get the hell out. That's yeah. not the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You tell them, what are you, a cartographer? Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like no, the profession. Uh, cartographers don't have friends. They're not playing with anybody. No. <laughs> <laughs> What's left to cartographer? With their crayons. <laughs> yeah. What's left to map out? Nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have satellites. I had something I was gonna say. I can't remember. Oh, it's like I like that they're leaving the no. It's so fun. I like that they're leaving the lore like open, so we can add more. It's like because you haven't written enough. Like how many more three hundred page books are you guys gonna release? Like I don't think that they're making a tabletop system. I think that this is somebody's start to their no, like their novel career, and they're just gonna be like, hey, go play this game. I mean, that actually would be an interesting start. I'm not gonna deny that that wouldn't be a good idea. It's just an interesting novel one. I'm imagining the creator like sitting in a dark room at night with nothing but the smallest little green glass <laughs> hunched over his work for days the most haggard beard you can imagine and his significant other walks in the door and they're like Francois because they're French what? His name when, is Bash. when will it be uh. enough Francois and he's like it shall never be enough until they ask for a map <laughs> I just like the idea that someone's like man I have a lot of ideas, but a lot of empty space. How do I get other people to write for me without having to pay for ghostwriters? <laughs> I know, I'll make a TTRBG. <laughs> yeah. No, no, and, and obviously, uh, you know, I just, this is like, it is really cool. There's a lot of potential in this world. Um, it would be interesting to see what people can do by inserting their own and try to, to fit it into the hierarchy of the lands, especially because, you know, they've got the cult of the black sun and the yeah. empire and things like that. Like there's a lot of structures in place, but I would be interested to see what people can do with it. Yeah. Also, while we're talking about the world building and like the lore and, and the other things, I know we gushed about it in the first one. The art in this damn book is so good. If you don't even want to play it, buy it as a coffee table book. It is freaking beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're gonna move into with that note. We're gonna move into the actual uh, the quality of the book. Now, again, we don't have a printed copy yet, but Kate is on something. There is so much good art. Like people would enjoy just flipping through this to get ideas for any system they wanted to run. Yeah, I desperately want them to release a like computer and phone wallpaper pack, just so I can have a good, high quality version on my desktop because it's stunning. I, I, you know, in the layout itself, I didn't feel like there was ever a time where the pages felt abused. You know, like I wasn't like, here's glaring white space or, or here's a picture that is cutting off something that it shouldn't be. Like it was well placed. Things finished off where they should before there was art to separate it. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. it fit thematically as well. Right. Like it wasn't, there were no parts that were like, this doesn't really fit with the vibe that's going on. Everything fit really well, even down to I don't know if you guys flip through like the bestiary section uh, with all the different monsters. All of them are done in like a pencil sketch drawing mm-hmm. version, like someone went and had like was a researcher and was like taking like pictures of everything, uh, which was super cool. I, I love it. Yeah, it's actually like a really like traditionally like scientific style of it. Like, there's yeah. whole people that made their career doing bio- or, yeah, biology, um, 
what do you call that what's the actual like fancy word for drawing or yeah yeah oh it's like i can't remember it's like it's still a career that some people even kind of do but it's it's a lot rare now it was more common when you were like just going out and exploring all the new species that were like large fauna now a lot of stuff we discover isn't really sketchable in that sense yeah yeah it's really cool art overall like i think that they don't like this is like the like here you go here's everything ready system like i guess you could be like well mechanically there's still a million other things i want into those people like make it up yourself but like this game if you want to just like a completely intact like this is everything i need i don't even want to really have to think too much about what i'm building i just i take the building blocks and i build a session from the building blocks this damn near covers it with all the lore and then the mechanics that fit really well with the lore like how you said it's even almost hard to separate these two like this thing's just like a ready to go here you go you just put you you take your story and put our stuff around it in a certain sense and when we reviewed Lamentations of the Flame Princess with Old Men Rolling Dice, you know, that book also had fantastic art in it. But one of the things that I think about when I think of that system is how edgy the art tried to be. Like, it was like, oh, here's somebody being disemboweled. Here's Medusa having sex with one of her statues. Like, it was like, what can we do to up the ante? I felt the art in here was tasteful. There is things like nudity and violence that, no, I would not show a younger audience. But they were done in a way that I didn't feel like they were just trying to one-up the last piece of art. Like, I actually felt like it was adding to the atmosphere, Mm -hmm. the tone, the motifs, all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I giggle because you're like, yeah, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, all this gory art. I know for a fact Jaden and I were cheap and we got the free art-free versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Listen, that that book has some great art in it, but there is somewhere yeah. I'm just like, that seems like you just wanted the shock value. Yeah. Whereas like in Gods, the ones where there is like some nudity, it's almost like Renaissance art-style nudity. Like it's... Yeah, I don't tasteful know. Tasteful needs. Taste, tasteful side. Yeah, like, no, no. It's like the gummy Venus to Milo. <laughs> All right, well, uh, yeah, no, so I think... I think anybody picking up this for, you know, the the actual printing itself um, will have a better idea of what it looks like in a fi- finished product, but... You know, there were some where I go, oh, this does not work as a PDF, but it did work as as a book. I think this is, my prediction is that this works for both. It was really easy to read as a PDF um, in terms of the the quality, uh, and I think it will also be uh, easy enough in a printing. Yeah, when my copy comes in, we'll do a uh, an unboxing video on our social media, uh, and I'll show off how pretty it is, because I'm banking on it being just stunning. Oh yeah, well, I mean, just invite us over to actually play it. How about that? Okay, fine, done. Uh, <laughs> don't threaten me, Ruin. Uh, <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time. Exactly. All right. All right. Well, uh, the last thing we want to talk about before we kind of, uh, you know, get into our final thoughts here is accessibility. Uh, one of the things that we like to mention is whether this is for a veteran player or a new player, especially, you know, there's a lot of people out there switching systems as of late. So uh, who would we welcome and who would we recommend plays this system? <clears throat> I think this is like a firmly intermediate system. I don't think you need to be a super experienced TTRPG fan to get into it, but I think kind of knowing how a general system works would help for sure, especially with character creation. Um, Yeah, I don't think it's a super inaccessible system, but I I wouldn't say it's like, this should be your first. Um, 
yeah. Also, because I, I, I'm the one who looks at dice. Uh, being an only D10 mm. system makes it a little inaccessible for people because who sells D10s on their own? Nobody. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> That's you, a good point. I never a, even thought about that. You don't get yeah. a set. You just get that random bin that you pick them out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I uh, think I I would agree with you on access. Oh, I I can pull back if you want. Uh, I agree with you on the accessibility side of things. Like it's it's pretty run of the mill. Like I wouldn't say I would say this is no more complex than D and D from like a purely like mechanical standpoint and just learning. Like if you sit down and read it, spend a little time with it, you'll get it right. Like it's just like you know I think everyone's like oh D and D is easy to play or something. I'm like I don't know. I don't think it's like it's easy. I don't think most tabletop games are really that hard. It's more just that they're convoluted or they're needlessly complex. And I don't think this one falls into any of those. Uh, trappings right i think it's i think it's a good solid easy enough system to play i i wouldn't i think it's more of a question of like what's your sensibilities what are you hoping from gameplay and stuff because mm. you won't get your power fantasy in the same way in this world although we've proven we can still throw quite a few dice at certain things if you really want to spec into it but then like i said my character was useless otherwise <laughs> so like it depends on the type of game and if you're looking for a more like let's relax people into this where they can maybe run their character for a long time. Even if they make stupid mistakes and stuff like that, that's fair. This one, if you mess up or even sometimes the dice go against you, you might lose a character or other stuff like that. So that might be where it's more questionable for newbies or not, if they want to play a game like that. Yeah. I I would tend to agree with both of you. I think it's a, it's a mod. I'm going to go moderate to hard to learn to play. Um, But I would also rate D and D that like, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an any, I don't think it's a monster of the week, <laughs> right? Um, I don't, but I also don't think it's the GURPS. You know, I don't think it's at the extreme level of if you're using the whole GURPS system, you're gonna take days and weeks to figure it out. Um, I think you need a solid afternoon, and if you're gonna continue past one session, you, you do need some commitment in the lore and your actual character learning what you can do. Uh, in terms of the actual play itself, it's not very difficult at all, and so that actually scales it back for me. It's the character creation that I think has the most to learn uh and so yeah Mm. somebody who has some experience but it doesn't have to be 20 years you know if you got a couple of months in you're probably good i'll just throw it out there on amazon i found 50 pieces or a 50 piece d10 set for 24 dollars there you go you and your five players are ready to go up for 20 bucks (laughs) i honestly think that this system wouldn't be any harder for a brand new person to learn than than dnd or cthulhu or anything like that I think it threw even us for a loop because it it's its own thing. Like it mm-hmm. it really is not like a direct translation of any other system. It's its own thing. So I think you could kind of walk even a first timer into this and the system's big enough and fleshed out enough that like I wouldn't even feel bad about that. But I do kind of agree with Kate that I think the people that would end up playing this system are people who had already played other fantasy systems and wanted mm-hmm. another fleshed out one to try and i think this would be a great alternative like this could be a main system if you wanted it's pretty in-depth yeah i think my delineation between like as beginner accessible game is could you play it with all new people right like new dm included i feel like anybody any five group Mm -hmm. of random people off the street could pick up monster of the week and play it i feel like gods you need to have someone who's the oracle to have someone who's a little more experienced um but you could play with good players yeah yeah a good gm could lead a lot of people through a system Mm -hmm. yeah especially if they know like where to thin things out yeah Um, so outside accessibility 
who should be playing gods? Me. Everybody. I should be. <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, everyone should play this. Everyone should try it out. I think it's a fantastic game. I. The only reason... Not even that. I was going to say the only people that I would say don't give it a go is if you don't like... like brutal dark fantasy but you can also scale back those aspects of it yeah you can totally do a version of this that is a little bit lighter in like the brutality side of things mm. i i i struggle to think of anybody that shouldn't give this a go yeah for i would agree real. with that i would say though that my my um devil's advocate to that is though is that it really does encourage you to dig into the brutality rather than to shy away like it's presenting that this is the world um so while i think absolutely a smart gm could definitely kind of uh do some veils and lines you know um i i think it wants you to and that's okay mm -hmm. if you're into that stuff go for it my counter mm -hmm. to that would be dungeon dragons both has the fey wilds where it's a carnival and barovia with curse of strahd and both are put out, and both can exist, and you can play both styles of games. I feel like this, you could do one where, depending on the scenario, is a little less brutal. And, yeah. Yeah, like, you yep, could have enough. the trickster gods realm. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. for sure. But for my, my real answer, I'd say, like, if you already like fantasy role-playing games, check this mm. out. It's a very mm -hmm. cool, low-magic, like interesting skill system game that it was definitely worth trying out i don't know if i'd like get this if i hadn't ever played another tabletop game before but if you already like fantasy games definitely check it out mm -hmm. i think if you are the type of person who really likes uh kind of your old not sword and sorcery but like you know sword and weird fiction kind of style games of that genre or or readings or films like i'm thinking like conan and beastmaster like this would be right up your your alley um Could be. if you like some some uh black metal get in there hell yeah 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 i don't know i've got i probably fall them i don't know i'm i'm kind of on somewhat of Cade's side like i think anyone could play this and probably find their way to enjoy it but I really, like I said, like trying to separate the system from the lore and stuff like that to a certain point. Yeah, if you're if you're coming into this to play like My Little Pony, I, I'd just go find a different system, right? Like I think that this system is best built in a world where there's a little bit more risk. Things are a little darker. It doesn't have to be brutal in the sense of watching people get skinned and chopping off little kids' hands every day or whatever our running joke is. Okay. Um, have an extra time, finger. Yeah. <laughs> just an extra finger. It's just a finger. That's not that big of a deal. I'll, you can take a finger before you take my whole hand. I it, promise it you that. even his favorite finger. We did have a child die in this one, though, right at the top. <laughs> you guys went to go and the kid who stole the pendant. Yeah. He got him and his mom got oh, murked into their home. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, they had already died. I forgot about that. Yep, yep, they definitely had died. Because <laughs> we okay. talked to another kid after and then that. You armed and that was him why. And just sent him on his way. <laughs> well, he needed to get home safe. He, he just watched his dad get killed. Like I don't think I was hoping that giving the kid a sword didn't mean he just ran up to the next person and stabbed him. But that's his choices in life, not mine. <laughs> Little did you know that he had a lot of intense psychological damage. He just became a serial killer. As soon as we turned the corner, he he. Uh, went to the next person was like ta sa sa <laughs> could be or he sold that that got him and his mom through like the tough times of you know dad being dead and then he became the world's best businessman 
Maybe he learned how to run. get free and that sell high. Like, that seems like a Michael Scott like kind of plot, you know? Like <laughs> this is my dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I think I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I think all of us agree that we would play this again given the chance. Hey, hell yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I had a good time with it. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, that has been our critical analysis and review of Gods by Arcane Asylum. As much as you can get from four dudes in different basements. But uh, with that, I'm out of coffee, and that means it's time to.